Hello, everyone, and welcome to the LaRouge Rugby Podcast. My name is Dan Murphy, and with me always is Derek Brissett and Stu Hardy. And gentlemen, we've got an exciting guest. Uh, before we get started, I just want to kind of make a little mention that our friends at the Iroquois Roots Rugby are uh, fundraising for their 2022 season. Um, if you'd like to help contribute to their growth and to an amazing program that's doing a lot of good to a community that is, you know, going through an extremely, extremely tough time. Um, they have a GoFundMe set up. So uh, we'll have the link in our bio for this episode. And also uh, we, we've been sharing some of their, their uh, posts about it. So feel free to donate if you're able to. Uh, gentlemen, we have a uh, another amazing guest. This is his second time on the show. Brian Ray, thank you for joining the show once again. Thanks for having me. I decided to bring my video along this time. So special <laughs> occasion. And uh, we appreciate taking time. I know you said before the show that you're you're kind of on uh, like kind of cruise control because of uh, work and stuff like that. So we appreciate this. Guys, I, I don't want to bring up this match because it just seems to kind of blend in with all the arrows losses. But I feel like before we get into the meat and the potatoes of this episode, let's talk about the arrows loss to Rooney. And, and I, I want to get your guys' thoughts on this, uh, Brian and Derek and Stu, because to me watching this game, it just felt like almost every other match that they've been kind of having, except for maybe the Austin loss where things were even worse in that game. Um, a lot of problems in the start of the game with handling and, and discipline and they kind of make it a close game, but the opposition kind of takes it away at the end. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on, you know, did we see anything different in this game other than Sam Malcolm coming back? I think one of the things to mention is that New York is still in the fight for the playoffs and they still have a game in hand compared to Atlanta. They've also got Nola chomping at the bit as well. There was more for them to get the bonus point win than just what you could say, like the pride for Toronto to upset their season. Um, I think everyone that did well, I think one of the biggest points of concern was probably about like the 20 minute, uh, 30 minute mark. I was just looking at the Arrows players and they were like he like heads in the uh, hands on their heads. They were like breathing heavily. And especially as soon as uh, Dan, uh, Dan, uh, Sam Malcolm came on, um, you could see that he was, you know, active, ready to go. He was, he had like this energy around him and he was the only one. He was like the bright spark against players that have been dulled and numbed by this never ending road trip. And I think that's, and, you know, we can talk about, oh, what needs improving? What needs, this, this needs to end. I think as soon as the players can get home and back with their families and back to a sense of, familiarity they're going to be much better even um some of the players that will you know either through injury but we'll get to that part later about um, international tours um if they get called up for canada duty due to whatever reason i think they'll be much better then than they will be now um although i say one thing that does need improving is um getting an ambulance on time I think that needs improving and uh, referees and assistant referees that can tell if a ball's been uh, grounded or not, because uh, yeah, as, as soon as um, that Kakabalavu try, 
happened. Because um, you could see like John Sheridan's expression after. Yeah, he thought he thought he made like, the play. Save... Like he. No, no, he did make the play. The refs didn't, and everyone was in like a bit of a shock about that. And I think that may have been just like another thing that goes on. T- as in, like they're already tired, they're already fatigued, and then a clear non-try is awarded as a try, and they're like, right. This game's out of our control. <sighs> that fine. We've got another sixty minutes to go. Let's see. Let's try and limit the damage as much as we can. And to be fair, they did, you know, leave with a losing bonus point, which I feel has now become the crux of every arrow's loss this season at this point. But yeah, it's uh, it, it wasn't easy, especially watching like the replays of that try. It just wasn't. A good thing to watch but you know we don't have tmo so i can't blame the refs too much they only had that one chance to look at it and um but uh i think it was the the new york's fourth try where i uh his name his name escapes me at the moment um but he you know ran through the defense Benassa. wasn't tackled yeah Benassa, and ran through no one around him, no one to get near him, straight under the post, seven-pointer after an earned try, I'd say, through um, Ben Foden. And then just to have that immediately, two minutes later, come around, it, yeah. yeah, just another, like, knife to the heart. And, you know, I'm, I will uh, say, like, great credit to, you know, Mike Shepard being able to, like, snipe over for that seven-pointer just before, uh, on the stroke of half-time, just to, you know, keep everything in. But... Yeah, it just feels like the hours are just clawing back at everything going against them at this moment. And, you know, it does seem to be that a lot of these things are out of their control, essentially, the um, being in Atlanta. I'm just looking forward to, like, round 17 when it's approaching their bye week and they say, right, we send one last night at the hotel or for the um, Argentinian players at their, like, temporary homes with their families. Everyone gets on a plane, depending on um, what the border situation is going to be. It's either going to be fly to Buffalo and then get a coach from Buffalo to all the players' houses so that they can spend time with family. Or yeah, for if, sure. Or if the... Because um, I know there's now the no quarantine for fully vaccinated uh, people, and I believe that all the uh, players and staff are yeah, fully vaccinated. Yeah, there, so- there's definitely there's definitely options for them. Brian, I, I'm curious, as you can tell, we're a little bit beaten down about talking about some of these arrows losses. How, how did you feel uh, th- this one kind of stacks up against some of the other losses that they've had recently? Stu kind of touched on a lot of stuff uh, there, and I don't think there's a lot of huge disagreements, certainly that, uh, you know, the uh, ambulance issue at the beginning was a bit shambolic, but that applies to both uh, you know, teams, they both, I didn't feel that New York were at their best either. And they certainly had some tired bodies out there. I actually thought that, you know, some of the new guys did bring a little bit of new energy out there. Certainly we saw Ronan Foley come in last week. And again, this week he's added a little bit of energy, but the, the issue you have when you're bringing in guys this late in the season is they've got to get, you know, up to speed on all the set pieces and all the moves and all the patterns pretty quickly. A guy like Sam Malcolm, he's been there before that helps, but you've got, you know, when we saw Joe Tomlinson come in, I mean, 
this is a quality player. He was, uh, you know, very highly rated in Wales. A lot of uh, the Welsh rugby aficionados over there think he was very unlucky not to get a, a Cardiff Blues okay. cap uh, mm. at the professionals. So, but he came in and, and, you know, he had energy, but his throws were off. He wasn't quite there. I mean, he, he got over the line and then he dropped the ball, which would have been a, a certain try. You know, just these little things where he's maybe trying a little bit too much uh, just to come in and join and make an impact. So, I think another week with those guys in and, and around the squad uh, will kind of calm their nerves a bit. We'll see a little bit more from them uh, this weekend. So uh, that's kind of something that that was a, a takeaway for me from that game. Uh, you know, the guys who've been around all season obviously look exhausted. <laughs> They're ready to tap out at this point. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, easy to see why. So, you know, it's just one of those games. That Bonasso try, by the way, I was just – Awful. That to me was one of the worst tries of the season that the arrows have conceded, uh, you know, just a gaping hole in the midfield that should never happen. The cover defense was asleep. Uh, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure after that Taylor Adams was subbed off. Uh, yeah, he came off. He actually went down hurt, yeah. I think in that uh, okay. play just before that, but there were guys coming across, uh, you know, they just didn't have the legs to catch yeah. him and, and you can't have a six foot four back row forward sprinting 60 odd meters untouched <laughs> down the middle of the park. I mean, that's just not acceptable. It's like watching uh, something like from like a, like a nature film. Yeah, <laughs> it was bad. I, so uh, when that happened, I knew it was over. It was done. And the referee call, uh, I don't think it's an argument for TMO. Uh, I think that's just a, a horrifically butchered call by the officials uh, you know, you got it. There are three sets of eyeballs and not one of them could see that. It's not like it was a big pile of bodies either. It was a guy walking in untouched, touching the ball down. It wasn't even close to a grounding for the AR to say that he saw the grounding was ludicrous, uh, but the referee has to take, uh, you know, uh, responsibility for that himself. He should have been in position. And I mean, it was so blatant. The AR on the far side of the field should have had a perfect line of sight to say, Hey, wait a minute, guys, let's have a chat about this. Cause this was clearly not a try. So, you know, it's just a frustrating game, but uh, that's the way the season has gone. And I want to get into kind of uh, this season because it has been a really no good, bad day season for the arrows. And I want to get your thoughts about this, Brian, is how do you feel when, when Chris Silverthorne and, and Bill Webb sit down at the end of the season and they go, okay, what did we have from this season? What do you think they're going to think? Because, you know, the record isn't great, but they survived. I think that's maybe one way of looking at it. How do you feel about kind of the arrows growth into this year? Uh, that's going to be a tough conversation because let's be honest, uh, it's been a crap season. Um, you know, you can look at the game against, they played against New York and Jersey City and uh, the game they played against Old Glory, and you're like, this is the Arrows. I mean, this is the guys that we expected to see this year. This is why we were saying before the season that these guys are title contenders. Uh, you know, those are the Arrows that we saw last year. But that's a massive psychological toll, and only the guys who were down there experiencing it, uh, you know, really know the effect of that. Mm-hmm. So you've got to take that into account when you're looking at, uh, you know, doing your end-of-season review, and they're just going to have to decide, you know, player X, uh, you know, didn't really perform this season. What percentage of that is him just not being able to deal with this uh, crazy road trip? And I mean, uh, you know, Chris Overthorne himself has, has talked about struggling. Uh, so it's not like the coaches yeah. or the, the staff weren't affected as well. So that's just something that they're going to have to decide and, and look ahead to next year and say, hey, is this is this guy, are we going to back this guy to rebound next season in a proper year when we finally get to play games in Toronto? Yeah. Uh, or, you know, or are we going to have to make a legitimate change here? 
yeah, I think, man, the season's just, I feel like the season's just been super weird. Obviously, I think going into the year, there was that championship expectations. And I think, you know, even watching this game this past week against Rooney, obviously the Kakabalavu try is a point of contention. But I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you guys one second and give you a little uh, lesson in Fijian here, guys. Sure. Uh, so in the Fijian language, a C is a TH. So his name is actually Zakam Balavu. So if you're talking about, uh, you okay. know, say Joe Roko, Roko Coco for the All Blacks, it's actually Joe Roko Zoko. Uh, and uh, for oh, wow. England, it's Thoka Nasinga is how his name is. So there's your there's your lesson for the day. So it's not a, a it's not a hard C. It's a TH. Replace that C. Thaka Balavu? Zakam Balavu. Zakam Balavu. Okay. All right. You know what? I, I think sometimes I'm like, like, I know I've seen like sometimes like I've seen like fan forums be like they mispronounce this guy's name or something or like on like commentary things I'm like guys like last names are hard, especially if they're from somewhere that you are also not from. It's the last names can be can be difficult sometimes. Oh, definitely. Um, but it's uh, yeah, but either way. Um, so his try, it was I think it's like like I don't know, like I think Sheridan's reaction to it is perfect. It's like what like I don't know. Like, what do you have to do this year to get a win? Because it just seems like there's just no luck at all. There's obviously, you know, they lost this game by by seven, right? So it's like in theory, it could be closer if that try is not called. Um, if that if that try you know was disallowed, open a tie. If you know yeah. Tomlinson didn't fumble that ball, you know, like there there were a little. There's a, a lot. lot of... Malcolm dropped the what looked like a sure try too, and then there's there's a lot. It's just the bounce, like the bounces just are not going the Toronto arrows way this year. Um, but like when you do, like Brian, I guess when obviously the internationals, um, the tour to the UK that's coming up and obviously the guys that are also representing Uruguay, it kind of created the necessity to bring some of these new guys in is like, do you think that mindset of the arrows right now is like, we're looking at these, these players like Tomlinson, like not, um, like Foley, are they looking at those players as guys that could be on the 2022 roster or are they just, these were the guys available. We have to put, you know, 23 guys on the pitch and we need bodies. So we found them. Oh no. They, I mean, they're definitely uh, taking a look at these guys with an eye to next season as well. You don't bring a guy, you know, in Ireland under 20 guy, with the Canadian passport in just for a couple games. They're having a look at him. Uh, if he looks good, then uh, I would assume that they will offer him a spot next year. Remember, I mean, we don't know who all is not going to be coming back uh, from the, you know, the the imports, uh, the, the Uruguayan guys, especially. Um, and, you know, a guy like Joe Tomlinson, I mean, we've had, you know, Steve Ng, uh, Andrew Quatch and Jack McRogers, a really nice, strong core of young Canadian guys. But maybe it it might be good to have a veteran presence at that position with the side. And he's in Canada, so... Uh, you know, I just think it makes sense to have a look at him. So I'm certain Alexander Jeanlin, the prop as well, uh, you know, he's Canadian eligible. So uh, definitely they are looking at next season as well with the, with bringing these guys in. I can also say from experience that uh, being an athlete is a very uh, beneficial thing to have on your application for permanent residency. So <laughs> is, that, is that how you, you know. got here? Is that did you, did you lie? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is, that, what, is that what happened? Yeah, that's that's how you know me. I'm my name's uh, Sam Malcolm, and I uh, came from New Zealand. <laughs> oh, that's how boy. I'm a permanent resident. Well, okay, let's move on now, uh, guys, because I wanted to get your your thoughts, Brian, about how this MLR season has gone. Um, you know, it's been 
it's been a weird year again. COVID has really had an impact on how this season has gone. Um, but we've seen fans return to the stands, which has been fantastic. You know, we've had kind of the, the craziness that is the San Diego situation, the Toronto situation. How do you think this, this 2021 season has gone so far? I think it's been fantastic. Uh, I think it's exceeded expectations. Uh, I know certainly talking to, you know, some of the general managers ahead of the season, there was a lot of concern with the COVID issue. Uh, pretty much everybody expected some games to be, you know, postponed, possibly canceled. They expected complications. So to get through, I mean, it was really that first half of the season that was going to be the tricky part when, when the pandemic was kind of still raging. So to get through that with just the, uh, the one opening weekend, I mean, we, we had preseason games canceled and it was a, a pretty ominous. I think, <laughs> you know, I mean, Oh glory couldn't get a game in every, every time. I'm pretty sure on this podcast, we said with absolute certainty that where there were going to be games canceled. I'm pretty yeah. sure we, we were confident in that. And yeah, it's been kind of a revelation, which has been fantastic. So to see that, but also, you know, the other thing at the beginning of the season, everyone saw this L.A. Giltini side and said, oh, they're going to run the table. They've got, you know, all these superstars, whatever. But, you know, it's turned out it's been very competitive. Uh, The rest of the team or the rest of the league has kind of raised their standards a bit. They've challenged them. They've knocked them off a couple of times. You know, the realities of a long season on older bodies kicks in and and we've seen pretty much parity across the board you know a couple teams that have really struggled but even the bad even houston has had their moments this season so uh mm-hmm. overall i think it's uh i think it's been absolutely fantastic now I- i'm interested because this is something that we i saw on the mlr reddit today i wanted to get your thoughts on this that the, the coaching vacancies that are kind of popping up this year especially with like the free jacks and and la how do we feel about like kind of coaches are, and I don't want to say that they're using MLR as a stepping stool to get to the next level, but you know, we've had two coaches have a bit announced that they're moving on to super rugby teams. You know, is this something that we should be concerned about? You know, I think there's, there's people that have two sides of the coin, you know, one say, you know, we're going to get competitive young coaches that want to come to MLR and say, I want to put my stamp on the league. But then the flip side of that is then, they are most likely going to try and use this to find other jobs. So the consistency of, of a coach staying for more than a couple of years might not be there. How, how do you guys, and I want to get everyone's opinion on this. How do you guys feel about this? Cause this was something that I saw discussed on Reddit. Brian, you go first. You're, you're the guest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Look, this is professional sport. Coaches move on in every league in the entire world. So this is the fourth year of a, you know, a, a startup league in North America to expect them to be able to retain the absolute top tier talent, uh, whether it's a player or a coach is frankly ludicrous. Uh, we should be applauding these coaches for, for Coleman to, to jump from uh, MLR. He's now going to go to super rugby. Who knows what he's going to do with the Waratahs, but can you imagine if he takes those guys to the playoffs or whatever, people are be like, wow, this guy was an MLR. Maybe we should, Check out what's going on over there. Ryan Martin has done some exceptional work with uh, with the Free Jacks this year. Everyone can see it. And yeah, it's a bummer. He's gone for sure. But everybody knows the deal. When you bring these guys in, you know that they could look at Saw Mooching. I mean, he's an American player. He's playing in MLR, plays out of his skin, and now he's off to Europe on, on another pro contract. We should be applauding this. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. There, there's absolutely uh, that. That's just opening up another opportunity for someone else to step in there and, and fill that gap. So uh, I have absolutely no qualms uh, with coaches or players uh, making the jump to uh, other competitions. 
See, I was really confused by the rugby network by posting that photo of him and then the whole background being football. Yeah. I mean, it says football <laughs> gear. And I'm like, is he going to play in the NFL, CFL, yeah. XFL? It's a bit of gamesmanship. He, he's going to, I'll tell you guys, he is going to France. I don't know which which club he's going to, but he is oh, heading awesome. to France. Oh, yeah. Hey, so, listen, uh, that's yeah. amazing. So there you yeah. go. Uh, and that's going to be really exciting to see. Glad for him. Is there an appeal to kind of like, because it seems to be like most of the North America, other than like, say, maybe the guys that were already in the premiership, say before MLR kind of started, it seems like France has kind of slowly becoming a bit of a go-to destination for North American players. Well, I mean, unless your name is Stu Hardy, why would you want to pick uh, you know, Dusty London when you could go to the south of France? <laughs> that seems <laughs> like an easy attention to Ardron's Instagram. all over this beautiful hey. country. Why does he want to go to greasy old United Kingdom? <laughs> no, I spent hey. I spent a month in England. Uh, you know, back at the World Cup in 20, what was that, 2015, it was great. Uh, but no, I mean, uh, France is such a, and the professional league, there's such an eclectic place. There's people from all over the world playing in that league. The money is good. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. That's a massive reason for going. But the lifestyle as well is just not the same as it is in the premiership. So I think that weighs in two as well. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's just a decision that all these guys are weighing up. Um, I would say, too, that I also completely agree with you that it's a good thing that players and coaches are jumping from MLR to other leagues, whether that's, you know, Wuching or Coleman or whoever else may be next uh, down the line. It's just I think, you know, I think it just gives like a lot of like credibility to the league. And it's also it shows that, you know, maybe, maybe some guys that, you know, have been, you know, had a bit of a tough time in, say, somewhere like New Zealand or Europe or South Africa or wherever they're playing, maybe like, you know, with maybe you can hope that as the profile of the league kind of grows that you know you get seen by other by by bigger teams by bigger leagues that maybe you wouldn't have necessarily got that opportunity if you were a guy that you know was barely getting playing time you can come to major league rugby play like 70 80 minutes a night at your given position and kind of help to kind of raise your own profile a little bit as obviously we're seeing like a lot of guys kind of going to other leagues after and i mean Coaches too, like I think even even if the coach is there for one year, all those players learn something. Like it's one year of of learning something yeah. under, underneath um, Coleman or Beal or um or sorry Coleman or Martin or whoever else is going to go overseas. Um, like it's you you get taught a lot, and I'd say I think even watching, you know, a lot of the the Canadian or American players that are in the league, you can see improvements in like guys across the board. Just from one year of playing in major league rugby. And, you know, it's not always the worst thing too, to get a couple different like inputs and insights on, you know, different views on like what you need to do to take your game to the next level either. So um, I'm sure like the next coaches that LA or new England uh, may bring in, um, they're going to be just as good and, uh, or maybe not just as good, but they'll, you know, be able to help the players develop their game as well. So um, I was just going to, I was just going to say, I think, um, that one of the points of concern is that, um, you know, not for Sam Wuching, but for like, say, Darren Coleman going over, is that a lot of um, other players and staff as well have joined LA because Coleman was the head coach. And it's a question of will the remaining um, coaching lineup or um, front of house staff remain the same or is that going to change? So, 
Well, again, I, though, I, I mean, I, I don't think that's a, a, an issue specifically with Coleman. I think you're going to see that with every team. Every team oh, will no. bring in a new coach to come in, and it doesn't matter what league or whatever it is. They're always going to bring in their guys. And and you're right. Some guys from L.A. are going to follow Coleman to, to Australia. Yeah. I'm sure a guy like Mai Vailanu, that hooker, is probably going to jump at the Waratahs straight away. I mean, that's yeah. but that's the deal. I mean, that's yeah, they, exactly. they would have and known that, that right? So. Yeah, as it, I'm not saying it as a negative because obviously a lot of the guys who were playing with um, Gordon uh, came over to LA. So it's you know you know you give and take. It's I think from a fan's perspective, it's going to be seeing oh this team uh, in 2021 they're the top of the West and in the off season their head coach is going to change. How many of the players are going to change? Will this still be a team that can compete? Um, when the 12 confirmed other teams for 2022 are going to be like, oh, LA, they had this, this, and this. That's what we need to make sure that we defeat yeah. when we play them I next. Think... And therefore, they're not... <clears throat> I don't say they're not as competitive because obviously they've lost games, but in the sense of um, if you're in LA and you're wanting from a... Uh, um, Adam Gilchrist's perspective is that how do you ensure that this team remains competitive so that there is a growth of a fan base? Because you don't want to go like, say, the way of Austin in 2019 and then start losing all your games and then be struggling to even get a few seats. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying that as well, a no, fan... I, I, I actually want to jump in there and say that's probably what's going to happen is they're going to be a heck of a lot <laughs> less competitive next season. But that's, I mean, that's the deal with LA. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how the fans, you know, or I mean, I consider myself a fan, whatever, but I don't know what people's expectations were of LA uh, after this season, but most people, uh, you know, I guess kind of behind the scenes knew that LA was going to be really damn good this year and next year we're not going to be the same team uh so i, I think la in this instance is probably a bad example to take because gilchrist himself knew damn well what he was getting into and what was coming next year uh so that's just something he's gonna have to deal with yeah. uh you know as far as recruiting getting a coach and, and adam fryer as well the general manager um but you know, that was the deal for L.A. is they, they were having this really big year with Gitto and Ashley Cooper and yada, yada. Uh, but that's it's a one year thing and they're just going to have to rebuild and start again next season. I do find it funny that currently in the uh, conference, what will be the conference finals is uh, L.A.'s beaten every team in the West so far. And it's um, like likes to be Utah. They have their final game in week 18 and then it's the reverse fixture, possibly. Um for the conference finals, but the team they're facing for the in the East for the championship final, either team has already beaten LA. And how how much egg on your face is going to be if uh, Adam Gilchrist has made this like superpower team uh, just to guarantee that they could win the championship in one year and then lose it in the final? That that's just that, that's just my own Schadenfreude of what could be. That's but, why. Uh... That's why you play the games, though. You don't. Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. You don't. Uh, you don't win on paper, right? So we had a Curry Hitchborn on a couple weeks ago, and he kind of voiced some of his concerns about where the league has kind of gone and some of the decisions they've made. Um, what are some of your concerns going into the 2022 season? I know we still have a couple weeks left, but you know we're near the end of the season. Um, are there anything, any concerns that you're worried about, uh, Brian? 
Yeah, I mean, there's some operational things uh, behind the scenes, certainly, I, I think uh, could use some work. Uh, I don't want to delve too much into those. I'm a communications guy. So my big thing is the communications from MLR has been putrid uh, to, you know, just amateur at, at best at times, you know, announcing we're still in the fourth year, we're still announcing, you know, teams like on game day lineups that's absurd in a professional competition so i think they have to take a major major step up in uh, communications and actually look like a professional organization uh next year i just uh, i just think they look amateur on that end uh right now so uh that would be my number one thing for them to focus on in the offseason is get their communications and get their organization down uh and then work they can work on all the rest the marketing all that kind of stuff uh, I think a lot of that is trending in the right direction, but, but that side of things uh, I think has been really poor. All right. Well, let's, let's move on now. Um, we've had the, uh, the luck of having the Olympic rosters being announced before we recorded, which is actually kind of nice because sometimes it always seems to happen. Like the day after we record news breaks out. Um so I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, uh, the, the Olympic rosters, both for the men and the women. The men will guaranteed play Fiji, Great Britain, and Japan. And uh, the women will play France, Fiji, and Brazil. Um, Brian, what do you think about these rosters? I mean, both of you know, the women's roster is as strong as it's been for a long time. And the men have a good balance of, in my opinion, young players and also kind of the vets. Do you agree with that? Or do you, are you worried? Are you concerned? What do you feel? Uh, yeah, I, I think that the rosters are pretty much as we expected. I mean, the guys team, I don't really know who uh, from the, who was left out, who anybody really uh, expected to be. I mean, maybe Zaruba, but he, he's been out for 18 months with a, a knee injury he had a couple surgeries uh, to repair his ACL. So he just ran out of time, unfortunately. But, it, it, I mean, it's a good roster. Uh, some of these guys are a little bit older in the seventh scale of things. I mean, uh, you know, Nate Hirayama has been around seemingly forever. Uh, but, I mean, he's still a world-class player. So, uh, I think it's a good squad. I think the men's side is going to be a bit trickier because of the level of competition. Uh, I mean, that Fijian team is just going to be uh, something else over there. So, um you know, we'll see how they do. Obviously, the women, uh, they look really strong. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think uh, the USA as well has a star-studded uh, oh, yeah. roster they've put out as well. So uh, it, it's so tough in sevens. Anybody can beat anybody in the game. So it's so hard to make predictions. Uh, you know, I think they're both good rosters. They'll both be competitive. I think the women probably a little bit better shot uh, at a medal. But, man, it's going to be tough. So uh, I, just, I just wish them luck. It's going to be an exciting tournament. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm, I think we, we can all say we're looking forward to it a lot. I do I do have a question for you, Brian, just about rugby and the Olympics in general. Are you, like, where do you stand on kind of like, do you think that if the Canadian or the American men's or women's team, either either one of the four, if they're like successful at, at these tournaments and, you know, can say, let's say win a medal or even win the whole thing, get a gold. It's like, do you think that can have a significant impact on the growth of rugby in North America? Or do you kind of think that maybe it just kind of falls on everybody watches the Olympics and you kind of check out a sport once every four years? And even if your country does well, maybe the impact doesn't necessarily carry over. Well, I think uh, we saw at the last Olympics, everybody was kind of drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit on the sevens, frankly, uh, and the women did win a bronze. So, uh, you know, certainly we saw a boost, a boost in interest, uh, you know, a boost in 
uh, just kind of recognition uh, as a sport uh, for rugby, uh, for rugby sevens, which was good, uh, but certainly not what they were projecting, <laughs> what kind of some people were, were preaching at the time. And so, uh, so no, I, I, if they win gold, that would be, uh, that would be a bigger deal. Uh, definitely. So that would be something worth watching. Uh, certainly uh, on the women's side, Canada or the USA, I think yeah. could win gold in that one. Um, so, and, and Hey, the USA men's, it's hard to say they got so many good players in that one too, but they, they just didn't, they haven't looked as sharp lately. So hard to say, but our gold might, might be a bigger impact certainly, but uh, I don't think it's quite the level that people are are making it out to be. I mean, you know, sevens is, is a really festival atmosphere. So, I mean, we're still going to get people packing the house to see, uh, you know, the tournament in Vancouver, whatever. Um, but I don't think we're necessarily bringing in this massive influx of, of players and, and money and, and interest from, from uh, you know, general sports fans in general. I actually think that, uh, you know, like MLR and getting the World Cup would be a, a bigger impression on North American sports, on, North, on rugby North America. So let's get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, because for the first time in 19 months, 20 months, Rugby Canada actually has a test match <laughs> this weekend. Uh, and it's, they're kicking off their, their two-match tour of the UK. Brian, I wanted, this is something that that we've talked about in the show, and, and Derek and I have, have butted heads about this. Um, but I wanted to ask you, do you feel like the UK tour was the best option for Canada to restart their national program after a pandemic shutdown? And I wanted to ask you, because you know uh, Derek and I are on two sides. Derek believes they, this, this is what's been offered them, they need to play rugby. Doesn't matter who is it against. And I'm of the thought that I feel like there's other competition out there. And if they're going to play it in Europe, I mean, Romania is playing a, in America's competitor. You know, they're playing Argentina. You know, I feel like there were other options out there that that Canada could have gotten their feet wet with, and maybe had a little bit more of a chance. Uh, I wanted to get your, your kind of your thoughts about this. You know, decision to play the reigning. Six Nations champion and the reigning, you know, runner-up of the last World Cup. Well, first, uh, I, I think you have to say that it, it's not really a decision. Uh, when you're offered England and Wales in your Canada, you don't have an answer. The only answer is yes. It doesn't matter where the game is because those games just don't come along. So what's Rugby Canada going to do? Say, hey, uh, yeah, sorry, guys. Uh, you know, we've been asking to play better teams, but we're just, we just don't feel like coming to play you guys. You know, uh, that's part of the, you know, the whole thing. Uh, you know, they, they voted for Bill Beaumont in that big election. You know, I'm sure that was a little bit of the uh, behind the table kind of conversations that were going on. Uh, so this is what they got. I mean, you want to play these big tests? You got them. Timing could not be worse. Let's be honest. And it's, uh, you know, and, and, but but that's, you know, I kind of commented on that uh, on, the, on the Twitter today. Is it it's really unfortunate timing for just about all these so-called tier two uh, nations. You know, we're seeing Tonga playing yes. the all blacks and everyone's been clamoring to say, Hey, let's see these guys play the Pacific islands. And the bloody pandemic is still going on. They can't get their best players from Europe. They're scraping the barrel. So many players are, are exhausted mentally from the season. They they're not committing. And it's just, uh, it's really, really unfair timing. Um, but that's just the way that the cookie crumbles. It would have yeah. been nice to get a third match on this tour against the Romania or somebody, but it, what are you going to do? You know, that's just the situation we're in. Um, yeah. Uh, from, from tier two rugby, tough weekend coming up, Georgia coming off a plane versus a strong South Africa team at altitude. 
the weakest Tongan team for years versus New Zealand. Canada not played for ages and a bunch of key injuries versus Wales. And the U.S. also not played for ages, also with injuries. Um, they didn't include that, but that's also the case for U.S. versus England at Twickenham. So, you know, that I mean, I can, I can make the argument that at least England has a ton of uncapped players. So maybe, you know, cohesion might might run into things. I think they've actually been training for, what, two weeks, three weeks now? So maybe, maybe I'm just kind yeah. of blowing out gas at, you know, it yeah. doesn't matter anyways. You know, I, Eddie Jones has had him for a little bit longer than the U.S. would have. Um, yeah, it, it's a kind of a brutal situation for everybody. Okay, well, <laughs> let's get into this this roster then for Canada because, you know, unavailable for selection. Tyler Ardron, Kyle Bailey's got a broken hand. Matt Bukaboom, Luke Campbell, Nick Carson, Tyler Duguid, Evan Olmstead, Lindsey Stevens, Matt Tierney. You got some of Canada's best rugby players not being able, not available for selection, and also one of their rising stars in the sport, and Duguid. What is going on? Like, are 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 all of those guys like it's Ardron? Um, Olmstead, Tierney, are they all that hurt? Is it the the clubs are telling them they need to rest for the preseason? Like, what's going on? Because this is also happening, you know, with Santiago Arada. He's deciding that he needs to rest up for the preseason, and he's not taking part in, you know, Uruguay's um, uh, matches that they're having coming up. So, like, what's going on I, in the I, background I, that that they're that we're kind of missing here? I can tell you, it's not a, a club thing. These are decisions made by the players themselves. Okay. Um, they're not all necessarily injured per se as in like Kyle Bailey, where he's actually got a broken hand and, and he's trying to play and wants to play, but just probably isn't going to make it in time. Unfortunately, uh, you know, these guys are at the end again of a long season. They've had the pandemic thing, uh, you know, the whole season, uh, in France, they've had to go through, um, and they're pretty exhausted, but there's other, you know, kind of things at play here where, where Canada's got this kind of block now and this this kind of you know they're building they, they had this tour but down the road we've also got the qualifiers right um and there's a lot to build towards um and you know they're asking a lot of these guys you know they really want them to commit from now straight through to the end of october and if you're a guy uh you know playing with a, a club team in france first of all you've got mandated rest in between seasons you, you have to have four weeks off between your season now and next season so they got to take it sometime uh, and, and you're asking these guys to come now to, to come in at the end of their season. They're exhausted. I mean, all the energy that, you know, uh, Evan Olmstead just put into uh, BRS getting promoted to the top 14. And now you're asking these guys to come in, you know, slog away for a couple of weeks against uh, England and Wales with no preparation whatsoever, beat their bodies up and then, you know, uh, hang out pretty much straight through with the team to the end of October. That's just not realistic. And I think Rugby Canada really needs to sit back and, and look at what their expectations of these overseas pros are because, uh, you know, these guys are getting yeah. paid money. Those are the guys, the clubs are the ones paying their bills. So you have to have a little bit of give yeah, and take I get here. that. I get that for like Ardron and Olmstead and Tierney. But what about a guy like Tyler Duguid, like a young guy that Duguid is a little bit beaten up right now. He's got a, okay. I, I can't remember specifically. I I, I want to say, you know, shoulder, but, but don't uh, quote me on that. Uh, he is a little bit beaten okay. up on that one. Then that makes me, that makes me happier than, 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 than what you just said. Cause that, that to me as a fan would frustrate me is I, I, I get that for the older guys, the vets that have put in the time, like the guys that, that are on this list have put in the grimy, 
work rate and hours that Rugby Canada has asked for them. I get that. But, you know, when, and I actually pulled up our, our list, when we talked about the last time on you're on the show, we talked about how we wanted new blood in the, in, in the, the roster and, and for the ARC. And yeah, it, it just frustrated me. I think it frustrated a lot of fans to see someone like Dugan be part, you know, not be available, but then will Priscillier be available. So it's, 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 it's reassuring to know that it's not just rest or, you know, club mandated stuff, but all right, let, let's get into this, 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 this roster. You know, we do have um, some uncapped guys coming into this. Unfortunately, you know, we should have had one more, but Spencer Jones, unfortunately was hurt. What do you think of this lineup? You know, we, we, we really don't have a designated eight man other than Vicky Lani, who has played how many minutes of, of MLR this season? Uh, you know, maybe Corey Thomas, you know, one of the questions that we got was about kind of the fly half situation. You know, is it Kelly? Is it Povey? Is it Nelson? You know, I wanted to get your thoughts kind of about this situation going into, you know, their first test match since the World Cup. Yeah, the fly half question. I mean, we haven't had a fly half since 2011 when Ander Monroe, you know, finished up at the at the World Cup. It's been a rotating roster since then. We we haven't been settled at all. Um, and number eight as well. We've had Tyler Ardron and then who behind him? Nobody. Uh, Luke Campbell was a flanker who got turned into a number eight by Kingsley Jones. Um, you know, and, and and that kind of puts me back to kind of mismanagement of the squad uh, going way back to when Kieran Crowley was in charge between 2011 and 2015. We really jumped on the sevens bag wagon, put all our resources into that. So many guys who, I mean, if you look at the roster now, Harry Jones, Nate Hirayama, Connor Braid, uh, you know, Cooper Coates. Now he's just switched over, but he's been training with the sevens program as well. Brock Webster has been training with the sevens why are all our number 10 guys with the sevens program? Why can't one of them play with the 15th? That's mismanagement to me. Uh, number eight as well. Admir Shivanovich, uh, Matt Mullins. How many years have these Jake Teal? These are all number eights. Why are all the number eights in the damn sevens team? So this is a problem that, that rugby Canada has. Uh, it's frustrated me for years. Uh, and now we see ourselves in our situation. Ardron's not available, uh, you know, and Hey, we're leaving a professional fly half Shane O'Leary at his, you know, he just wasn't picked. Don't even get me started on that one. So um, I feel like we, we also had this, uh, this Shane O'Leary discussion the last time you were on and, and no matter how well he does it, whatever team he's on, it, the problem seems to exist that he, that, that his relationship with the selectors is just not, not good right now. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. Whatever. I mean, Will Kelly, he's, he's, you know, the next guy coming up, but how much time has he had in MLR as well? Is he ready to go play England? I don't think so. Um, so, you know, that's just where we are. And it, it, it's just, we, we've kind of, I think we kind of touched on it the last time it was on, but we're really in this transition uh, stage right now. And we're really going to feel it in these next couple of weeks <laughs> where it's just, we've got a block of kids who are coming up. You're Vicolani. Great. He's number eight, you know, really powerful kid. He's played 10 minutes of major league rugby going into this test. Uh, you know, these kids are going to be fine in four years time. They're not going to be fine the next two weekends. So we just got to grin and bear it. And, and MLR is going to, you know, have its effect. We've got over 60 
pros. There's going to be more, uh, you know, if, if we expand another team, if Dallas comes in next year, there's going to be more Canadians. If another team, if Chicago or somebody comes in, uh, there's going to be more Canadians in. Um, so it's just going to expand and we're going to get better. We're going to start building that depth, but uh, we're just in a rocky, rocky period right now. And it's not just fly half to worry about. It's the front row. It's number eight. It's pretty much across the board. So, you know, that's just where we are. Yeah. Oh, my question in, in kind of hearing that and going with obvious, like the mismanagement with all the, the tens and eights that are playing sevens and, you know, hopefully they, they have a awesome performance in, uh, in Tokyo, but um, like what, in your mind has to change at rugby Canada. Is it just something as simple as like just being smarter with like the allocation of the actual talent itself? Or is there like a full like philosophical change that kind of needs to shift so you don't end up in situations where it's like our drawn can't play. So we have to go to like a 20 year old that's played, you know, very limited professional rugby experience against England. There's a real disconnect between Rugby Canada and the rest of the rugby population in Canada. And I thought, I think we saw a great example uh, recently, a terrible, uh, unfortunate example uh, with John Tate and the women's side, where we had, you know, these women who've, uh, you know, been making these complaints. And um, I, I can't remember which player off, off the top of my head uh, posted on, uh, on Instagram where she's saying, I actually, you know, asked rugby Canada to look into this and kind of help us out four years ago, uh, didn't get the support. Nobody came out to try and kind of facilitate this and maybe work with John and say, Hey, can you just change your style? Nobody came out to uh, check it out. Um, there's a real disconnect uh, in, in, in their expectations maybe of, of how this whole thing should work and maybe how it should work. Um, so uh, I think the whole organization needs to look at itself and, and, and make some changes. Um, and, you know, Maybe we'll see it, but uh, the other thing you have to consider is, you know, they don't have a lot of money. So it's not like they can go out and just hire this kind of manager, this kind of manager, this kind of manager. So there are some restrictions uh, that are working against them, um, you know, and, and I understand that, but uh, I, I am frustrated with how they've, how they've done things over the past few years. And I think that's pretty obvious. Uh, so you know, uh, but what can you do really? I mean, that's something that the board is going to sort out. That's something that the, uh, you know, the different provinces need to sit down and decide what they want from the board because they're the ones who, who put them there and they're the ones who put all the management in place. So if they're not happy with what's going on, then it's up to them to make sure that things change. So I think that, that that's interesting because um, we, we heard rumblings about this from Curry when, when he talked about kind of the shambles in which BC rugby is in talked about the, how the guys at the top are not talking with the people trying to do the, the hard work at the bottom um, you know, we've had it had a change in leadership with Rugby Canada um, recently. I'm just going to pull up her name so I get it. I, I got Sally it. Dennis. Yeah. So Sally Dennis is now uh, taken over, uh, you know, a major leadership position. You know, uh, it sounds like Kingsley Jones has been given, you know, the utmost support from from the board in terms of where this national team is going. Do you feel confident that maybe these these worries can be put aside and especially with with i think one of the problems too of what we taught what you talked about how the two one of the two most important positions in and and rugby has been mismanaged is because they want them to stay fit in, in a rugby atmosphere and for the longest time with no pacific pride and no arrows the most constant thing that was a pro contract overseas was sevens so do you think with 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 mlr with the pacific pride with having a consistent voice in Kingsley Jones, 
do you think that maybe maybe these worries are kind of on on the up and up or do you think that there needs to be more to be shaken up well is there a consistent voice with with kingsley jones i think that might be a, a question worth asking remember kingsley jones was renewed for four years before the rugby world cup there was no performance uh you know analysis there was no review of the tournament he was just extended carte blanche and who's who's overseeing him no, I'm not saying necessarily that Kingsley Jones needs to be thrown out or anything like that, but there has to be some level of account- accountability and, and, and a level of, of you know, oversight, and there's none over him right, right now. Uh, that's a problem to me. That's a, that's a structural issue. Um, you know, we saw, and John Tate as well, was the head of the women's program. Who's, where's the oversight? That's, uh, you yeah, know, who does he answer to? There you go. That, that's a problem. Um, so, you know, Rugby Canada is can answer to the board on that or the board can do whatever they think uh, needs to be done there. But that is, that's a major issue for me. Uh, we haven't had a high performance director or anything. We had Jim Dixon in there for a while. He was uh, dumped and then they just kind of didn't, uh, didn't ever replace him properly or adequately or, or anything anyways. Um, you know, so that's just something that they're going to have to do. I don't know, you know, a, a chairman's position isn't, they're not sitting there day to day. That's not, Sally Dennis' full-time job. She's a lawyer. You know, she sits on the board. They have a meeting. They they, they make decisions. Uh, you know, Alan Vanson is the CEO. He's uh, the guy who does the day-to-day stuff. But again, he he's he's more of a, you know, a, a business guy to run the whole, uh, to kind of manage the whole organization. He's not a, really a rugby guy, right? He's not a guy who can look at a, a, a national team and say, oh, we got these problems in these positions. That, that's not him. Um, so I think there's a real gap at that position uh, at the senior level in Rugby Canada. So going back to the upcoming tour, what should the expectations of Canada be going into like in three, like Wales, England, basically no prep or no direct prep other than this week. Um, you know, two of the best countries in the world. What, what should we really be expecting out of this? Uh, you're asking for a score, a score line. <laughs> yeah. Look, it's well, going to be so tough. I mean, these guys, even yeah, they're uncapped players for England, but these guys are playing in the Premiership way week in and week out. England has, uh, uh, you know, uh, how many locks they can pick up. One guy falls, they grab another guy. McNally comes in, who's I've uh, stood beside him in person. He is an enormous man, six foot seven, five thousand pounds. I mean, the guy is a brute, and he's like tenth on the list of locks or something like that. So the depth that they that England has at their disposal, even Wales, obviously they're much smaller. But look at the lineup they're putting <laughs> up this weekend. Oh my goodness, Jonathan Davis, Ross Moriarty, some some I mean, penny guy. So it'll be tough. We're, it's we're not comparing apples and, and apples no. here. This is. Oh, yeah. We were wide, wide apples apart. Apples and cr- perhaps, like crab apples. Perhaps I need to, I guess, perhaps I'll, I'll, I'll reword, I guess, the question that I'm at. I guess nobody, no one's expecting Canada to win these games. But, like, what, if you're Kings, if you're, like, say, in Kingsley Jones' shoes, like, what has to happen on this tour for you to look back on it in like, you know, two, two, three weeks time, be like, that was actually pretty successful for us. We actually benefited from that. What has to happen over these next two games in order for it to kind of be a positive for Rugby Canada, despite what the scorelines probably saying, and hopefully maybe the scoreboard's not running out of numbers. 
Well, it's going to be a shock to the system, the, 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 the pace of the game and the intensity that these guys are going to uh, experience over there. So all we can hope, really, is that some of these young guys, their Quinn Nowity, or Will, you know, Persilier, Ross Brode, um, you know, that these guys pick up that intensity, um, you know, and, and take that with them moving forward. They, they understand, they can see something in the game that they, they just pick out. I mean, um, you know, people are kind of, relating this to the England's tour of hell when they went to Australia, took a extremely inexperienced team, got absolutely blown off the park, but Hey, Johnny Wilkinson came out of that tour, uh, you know, and, and did all right for himself. So uh, Josh Lucy was on that tour. So uh, there was a few world champions who came out of that tour. So I'm not saying we're going to win the world cup of these guys one day, but uh, you know, I, I think people can see that uh, some of the young guys who are going, Will Kelly will learn a lot on this tour. So there is a lot to take out of it. Even just being in the environment in a couple of weeks, you know, they'll have Rob Howley in person there to work with them. That'll be a big help for them. So, uh, you know, we just got to hope they, they learn stuff. A guy like Cole Keith, he's switching over to loose head prop. All of a sudden he's going to be scrummaging against some pretty tough competition. You know, we just hope that, uh, he, he takes that on uh, moving forward and, uh, you know, and we can build a, a foundation for a team, uh, you know, that can really uh, maybe challenge, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, automatic uh, qualification to World Cup, something like that down the road. Is he going to be there as, as a loose head or as a tight head? I... No, he's going as a loose head. Loose head? Yeah. They're committing to that? Okay. I've said to the guys, I think possibly like the best thing that can happen for some of these Canadian players is that there are scouts from... Uh, United Rugby Championship, the top 14, the D2, even the Premiership. I know they've recently announced they're changing selection qualities, but um, even DTH van der Moer said Ben Lesage is too good for MLR. He needs to be playing in Europe. Well, I don't, uh, I don't necessarily agree with uh, DTH on uh, on that one. I think MLR is a decent standard, and uh, you know, and and it's not like uh, Ben is scoring ten tries a week or something. Uh, now he's a very good player. Do I think he could compete, uh, you know, overseas in a Pro D two or something? Yeah, it would be awesome to see him over here. So you're right. Hopefully, some scouts do look at this, and hopefully, uh, you know, they do have it in them. They do show something, and 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 hey, it'd be great for you know one of these young guys to pick get picked up by a you know a good European. Club. Club. But at the same token, it's, you know, and Kingsley, I, I have to agree with him on this, has spoken this as well. It's, it's one of those things where it's nice for a guy to be at a club out in Europe, but if he's going to be a starter in MLR, is that going to be better for his career to be out there actually playing games against pretty decent competition? Or is he going to be, you know, wasting his time sitting on the sidelines playing in the Spars mm. match or, yeah. you know, that, yeah. that's fine for a 19, 20 year old kid, but not, uh, you know, a 24 year old starter uh, for the national team. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's what Jamie Joseph liked about having his players play in the Japan top league and not playing for the Sunwolves. It's like, I'd rather have all my guys starting for different teams than just all of them fighting for one roster spot on, you know, one super rugby team. So I, I agree with you. I think that if, if I'd rather have them starting than sometimes making the bench or sometimes having a, you know, a start. Um, okay, well, we're, we're almost done here, and I, I wanted to say I wanted to, I want to end this on some positivity, Brian. Who is someone that you're you're excited to watch from this roster? Because you know, barring a few guys that didn't make it for selection, there are some young, exciting players that are going to be suiting up for the red and white. So, who is someone that that you're really excited to kind of uh, take their next step in in their pro rugby career? I think Michael Smith is really impressed uh, with San Diego. He's a guy who maybe wasn't on people's radars. Uh, and you look at him, he's kind of this gangly, 
you know, <laughs> rangy kind of flanker, but uh, he gets stuck in. He's really an intelligent player. He's all over the breakdown. And, you know, and, and he was really tipped before the season. Uh, it was him and Siaki Vikalani who were getting, uh, you know, quite a few eyeballs at that high-performance camp that was held last November. So he's a guy, uh, vikalani has been injured, so I don't really have a lot of expectations uh, for him in this tour. But but Smith is impressed. I think he's gone really well with San Diego. So I'm, I'm keen to see how he goes. Uh, I'm anticipating him to start at least one of these matches. So uh, that'll be interesting. Uh, certainly now it's he, um, you know, interesting to see, you know, he's kind of been up and down for New York. I'm interested to see uh, where Kingsley plays him and, and, and how he goes. Um, you think he should be playing at center or at wing? Yeah, he's a center for me. No question. Um, and, and, you know, an entry, another interesting body who just got called up from UBC is Don Carson, who's a big, big dude. Uh, it looks like he's been picked as a blindside flanker, but, you know, he's 6'6", six, six, you know, getting close to 6'7", and he's a big, big body. He's got room to grow. He's just one of these hard guys who runs into a brick wall and keeps moving kind of deal. He's just a big, uh, big guy with a good engine on him, so I'm interested to see uh, how he goes if he if he sees the field, but it's a, a good opportunity for him to go on the trip anyways. And and who's your start first game against Wales? Who's your starting fly half against Wales? Yeah, I well I think it's going to be Peter Nelson. I mean, I, I would be very surprised if if Will Kelly uh, starts. Uh, not that you know, uh, I think ill of him or anything, but I mean, <laughs> what's the point of bringing Peter Nelson if he's going to not going to start? So uh, I would be very surprised if Peter Nelson doesn't start in these games, and then Will Kelly probably gets you know twenty five thirty minutes kind of deal. All right. Well, Brian, we really appreciate you taking the time out of this, out of your, your busy, busy, busy schedule to, to sit down with us and talk some Canadian rugby. So we really do appreciate this, man. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Anytime, guys. Well, guys, I want to again uh, say thank you to Brian Ray from America's Rugby News for joining us. Um, you know, we love having Brian on. We love the work that he does. So, Brian, you know, the mini little, little clap. Thank you for joining us. Guys, let's finish off the episode by doing our predictions for this week. And I have to come clean because I believe I said it on on the last episode that oh, I would you do something. You don't have to believe. You 100% said you do this. I said that I would bring you have the one, records. You have one job on this podcast, then. You have one job. I said, and I'm going to blame it on my, my, uh, my second dose vaccine that maybe it's giving me covid brain and i forgot about it but uh i said that i would bring the records of of the the three of us in the toonie into uh the hey, viewers Stu? ears um Stu, can you remind me is one of the side effects of the covid vaccine memory loss or and or forgetfulness uh, i can't remember ah uh, all right well there you go there you go so i am sorry derek Stu. i didn't make this promise to you uh, okay, first game, guys. Uh, San Diego versus Seattle. Um, oh my! Um, sorry, what was that second team that you said? Seattle. Um, so the other team, the team that's not playing Seattle, is the team that I take. Yeah, San Diego haven't had the best record at home, but they have been playing two teams that are in no the hunt. Fan, for no the fans back at uh, Chula Vista this week for San Diego too yeah yeah that's interesting I, i'm wondering why like was there something else going on at torero or i don't know i didn't i did not look into it to be honest 
Um, it's, just, it's just interesting. I'm just trying to fill time because I don't understand what the explanation could be for not picking San Diego in this yeah. game. Yeah. So. I don't know. I look at uh, San Diego's roster and they're missing a few more guys on international duty than. Yeah, it's because nobody wants to take Seattle. Guys Seattle. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, I'll go with San Diego. Yeah. All right. And we know the rules as always heads for home, tails for away. The Toonie picks Seattle. Sorry, Toonie. <laughs> the Toonie also picks Canada this weekend. Uh, well. uh, next game is New England versus New York. New England is the home team. Well, the fortress has been breached yeah. by Ooh. Nola. And New York, again, know that if they keep getting wins, they'll uh, be able to overtake Atlanta and uh, ensure that they get the home same. So I'm going to go with New York. Oh, man. Yeah. You know what? I think I think I'm going to go with New England to kind of throw a little bit of a wrench in this playoff race. Yeah, I was going to go with New England as well. Yeah. I just... think that their, their ego is bruised, and I believe this is their first – game at their new stadium no it's the last game. last oh, okay grand 18 so. and this will be the last game at their their old stadium so they want to send it off on a good note i think that they're going to pull off the win all right then okay Toonie. what's the toonie got the toonie goes for the home side of the smart new boys toonie. smart toonie Okay, Toronto versus DC. I, I honestly, this is this is probably this is going. I mean, they've only got one other game after this, but out of all the games that they've kind of played since they've kind of had their home, you know, streak, this is their most winnable game. I mean, DC is yeah. the closest to them in record. Um, this is basically the bottom battle for the bottom. I think. Um, yeah, I, th- I think like I said late earlier, I think if you look back at that New York game, I think they played pretty well overall. It kind of came down to just like I think that John Sheridan play just kind of sums up like their season. It's just you know he comes across the tackles perfect. He gets his hand on 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 the arm to force the drop, and you know he gets up and he fist pumps and Thakabalafu uh, kind of looks to the to the skies like ah, I dropped that darn. And the refs just don't call it. And I think in that moment, it's just like, yeah, like I don't know, like what do you got to do to buy a win? Um, I mean, not let a not let a flanker run sixty meters. Yeah, but one try. Can, yeah. Also, but even by doing help. that, it's still it's still a one try game. And then there's a big try. That, and then you know, but I look at like Sam Malcolm had the ball, dropped it, was looked to be in the. I know what, what you're talking about is fate, like like. Yeah, like, that's what, what I mean. Ifs? It's like like that Benasso try was guys actively not. Yeah, the Benasso try was bad, but the arrows had like four other tries that went that just balls got dropped. I know, but I can blame that on fate. Yeah, that Benasso try was there was a lack of effort. I think sure. those are two on, different sure, things. Sure, sure. The one play, the one play was really bad. Um, but like over the whole course of it, I'm just like, I think like there's a just a part of it that's just like you're just angry angry georgian cloud just floating over 
I think yeah. I think the luck's got to turn around at some point. And I'm gonna, I'm going with, I'm still going with. I mean, you've never. I don't know why you're you're making this so long because you've never bet against Toronto. <laughs> I'm just, so. I'm just, yeah, I know exactly. I'm just, I'm just explaining it. I think this is, uh, this isn't. You know, sometimes I pick Toronto just because I don't want to go against Toronto. But like, let's be realistic. There's been a lot of games that you could probably, yeah. you could should have picked against Toronto. Um, but you know, at this point, it's just, I actually, this to me is a very, like you should win win this. Yeah. The X factor is obviously the roster. And as we touched on earlier, how much they've actually played with each other. Yeah. I I think it's interesting because DC has had a rough season. You know, they've had, they've had injuries. Definitely. I mean, almost every team has, but they've had some key guys out, uh, that, that, uh, Fanana Schultz, red card really hurt them Mm -hmm. and it just seems that like all their key cogs roberts tanana or uh uh, yeah roberts tanana and like you know uh even even robertson when he came back tusatala started off so hot and then has not really been up to form lately like it just seems like this is the year of low of expectations being kind of yeah not that high so you know it's it's interesting to so who's so who's your pick after you're complaining about me taking a long Toronto response? Right, Toronto. Toronto. I, I'm picking Stu. Toronto, but I'm picking Toronto as well. Nice. And the Toonie is picking DC. Oh, if anyone can suggest to me a a either a, a writer or a um old glory DC based podcast, basically I wanna I wanna get a little bit more deep dive into what's going on with old glory because oh, Road to Glory, that's what it's called. Road to Glory. Okay, then I will. Yeah. I I will love to to it's listen on, to them. Uh, it's on like Spotify and stuff. Yeah. Okay, then never mind. Everyone, Derek took care of it. Hey, if people if people have other suggestions, by all means, throw them at it. But yeah, yeah. The, the Road Road to Glory is their podcast. Is it like? But is it like the team does it, or is it like us, like fans do it? I think it's I, like some sort of affiliated thing. Okay. Well, no, I want I want to hear why they're why things aren't going right. I don't want to hear like player profiles and stuff like that. So if anyone can th- can can provide me with the dirt, send it to me. Okay, uh last game of the uh the weekend, um LA versus Nola. LA is- versus no LA. Um oh boy. Oh I don't gosh. There you go. Boy, I I'm the dad and you know I'm expecting <laughs> one and that was bad. Yeah. <laughs> that was bad. That was bad. Still wouldn't take that joke. No? Yeah, that was bad. Uh, I'm not going to dignify that with the response. Uh, I'm saying that I'm going to go with LA because back home, it is, I believe, one of the few. They only have two more games at home because their final game will be away. And, you know, they want to be able to say, okay, the other teams in the West, you can pick off um, for who our opponents are going to be. And we will go home. I'm going to also take LA. Because Nola's pack is gone. Yeah, if if this like, game happened at the beginning of the season, I would. Yeah, I'd be more. If, if it happened last week, like, like all right, if it happened two weeks ago, I could be like, oh, I could see Nola maybe pulling this out. But um, yeah, like the, yeah, the no Cam Dolan. Gone. Yeah, yeah, Waldron's gone. Dolan's Waldron's gone. gone. Harmon. Like they're they're two starting props. Yeah, gone. they're gone. Man, um, I didn't even Howard's think of gone. that. Yeah, no. Yeah, Howard's gone. Um. 
both the flankers are gone. Guerrero's gone. Guerrero's gone. Oh my God, gone. you're right. Yeah, no, every are... the whole pack is. I mean, the pack, like all eight of them are pillaged. Gone. Absolutely, all Devin Short, you better have the game of your life. Yeah, no, like it's uh God. Yeah, it's uh they're, they're they're gone. The whole the whole pack is gone. No Locky Kratz. In no, all, uh, like yeah, it's uh yeah, no Kratz. Um, who else is in the backs that's gone? I don't know, but um, I don't think I don't think their backs are. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Of, uh, but you know what? That's fair because Kenda USA took the entire pack. Um, like that's um. That's well, that's what people tough. talk about. Is not only are they. Not only are they on the road for like their for their last like five games, yeah. they got pillaged. Yeah, no, like the, by the USA pack. and Canada. So. And it's it's yeah. not even so much like at le- like looking at the arrows who obviously like the roster got raided, um, as you know, 13, 12, 13 guys gone. Um, like at least there's some like mix of forwards and backs. Like Nola has yeah. no forwards. Like the no, Nola's. Nola is like there's like at your third maybe depending on injuries and stuff your third fourth choice guys are playing in this game now, mm-hmm. um at a at a at a lot of positions too, second third fourth second choice at best, um, so yeah for that that's like it's I feel like no matter I mean maybe barring Houston or Seattle I would pick anybody maybe against Nola this weekend. But that's not really a knock against Nola. That's just unfortunate circumstances. Yeah, it's like they've been playing well recently. I mean, they just beat New England at home, which is unheard of. No, no one had done it yet, and they did it. So, yeah, yeah just the cards aren't aren't, aren't in their their hands this weekend. Yeah. All right, who did the Toonie picks do? Give her a flippy flip. The Toonie has picked L.A. Nice. Also, even the team like, knows. Even the team. Yeah. Even look at, looking at your shirt, your shirt there, uh, Stu. How do you feel about Alwyn Jones? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I think it is. I mean, this was a test match because they were playing a tier one opposition. So surely he should get a tenth cap for the Lions, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. Does that? Yes. Does that count? Yes. Does that he, count? He, he was playing for the Lions it. against a national team. He should get a cap. Is that how that works? Or do you only get the caps for the three games of the series? It. I know that uh, the Lions played against Argentina on a previous tour, and it was retroactively made a cappable game. So sure. I think. Well, isn't that the thing with Halfpenny this weekend too? Like he's playing his hundredth cap. But it's yeah. like his 96th for Wales, and then he's got four for the Lions or something. So his total yeah. is 100. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's why I say it's his 100th cap. And then in four games time, it will be his 100th Welsh cap. For... Mm. Because, you know, if you can pivot an event around sport, then by all yeah. means. Can- can- um, Canada's got, that, got guys that have played 15 minutes in MLR, and then uh, we got yeah. 100, 100 capped future Hall of Famers rolling out for Wales. So yeah, I think the um re- the thing with Alan Wynne Jones is like the realization of you know he's still one of the greatest players on the pitch, on any pitch, mm-hmm. but he is in the autumn or the fall, yeah. I should say, of his career. He is 
this is an injury that could have happened um, in the Pro 14. It could have happened in the Rainbow Cup. It could have happened uh, playing in the Six Nations earlier this year. It just happened to be at this time. And, you know, his contract with Wales and the Ospreys um, ends at the end of uh, next season. It may be the time for him because I think realistically, he's not going to be picked for the next World Cup. It's the time to say, I want to go out on my terms. I want to do it my way. I want to see out this contract. I want to still be able to, you know, play with my daughters when they're growing up and they're learning how to play rugby. So, you know, maybe not going to uh, South Africa may be a benefit in the long run because if, say, he had had, you know, a bigger injury during the um, test matches, then you'd be like, oh, okay, I would have picked this uh, a shoulder injury against Japan instead. So I'm just yeah. happy we were able to watch it. Oh, yes. God, yeah. Like classic North American rugby media deals, the twilight of, of, of it happening. We, we get the ability to watch it. So on the British and Irish Lions website. Yeah. Or whatever that actually, I don't, I still don't even know what it actually is. Pre- Premier Sports. Yeah, I again. I sure. the, the what they're the ones that carry the um, Pro 14 or now United Rugby Championship as well, and in the UK uh, the top 14. So you know they're branching out. Nice, but, nice. but when you when you compare it to the UK and on Sky yeah. Sports, they now have Sky Sports cool. Lions, an entire channel dedicated to the Lions tour. Wow. So, uh, you know, yeah. Anyway. Exactly. Yeah. I'm like I said, just happy. Nice to see uh the zone picking up the getting the Canada tag. Yeah, it's um it's it's it definitely interesting given TSN's history with with yeah. Rugby Canada, um and especially with their you know newfound relationship with with the Arrows. Um, yeah. Again, I'm just I'm just of the mind is like I, I wonder if this Wales. is more of a relationship with 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 England Six, and Wales, Six nations, yeah, the Six Nations, more. than it is with TSN and yeah, and the zone sure. said. No, we'll take these rights, and TSN's like, all right, we don't have to, we don't have to put the work yeah, into I'm it. Not, uh, I'm not, I'm not sure what the uh, the difference is. I'm just, uh, I'm happy though that like whether it's DAZN, TSN, Sportsnet, um, like I think the Lions thing, I'm happy that I'm able to watch it, but I also can't help but feel it's like, oh, casual fans aren't stumbling across this. No, um, there's no way, right? Especially at like the sixty dollar price tag, um, like. Casual fans aren't going to stumble across this. At least if you put the games on TSN or DAZN. Um, as Dan, I think you mentioned, I haven't seen it yet because I just haven't looked. But you said there's like a little preview thing. Yeah, there's a little fun little preview for the for the yeah, Wales and so, Canada game, which is which is great. And you know we're going to be able to see all the U.S. Test matches. Yeah, it's cool. And then the Japan versus Ireland Test match, which is great. Yeah, I mean the window is much smaller. When, when you're talking about DAZN compared to TSN, because it is still a paid yeah. subscription and you're basically trying to well, market yourself to sports fans. There's still a lot on DAZN. That's like, in, oh, yeah, I, for sure. I know it's for different sure. like, from country to country, but it's like you get all the, like, there's a lot of boxing, there's baseball, like the MLBs on it. I mean, the, uh, the, NFL, the NFL Canadian NFL. basketball uh, qual- qualifier for the Olympics yeah, is the on the zone. They're on it right now. So, you know, the, the, yeah, for sure. It's, it's, there's it a lot is of what it is. Reasons, there's a lot of reasons if you're a sports fan to have a zone account. In my, in my opinion, as a rugby fan, 
this is a great thing. I want to zone to have as many rights as possible because eventually we want to get to a point where there is like, look at what NBC sports and Peacock is doing for the States right now. Like they have almost all of the rights to, to the the majority of the big rugby tournaments. Right. So that's what you want in Canada. You want earlier this year when I was at work, um, a guy like came up to me and asked about the six nations just because he saw it on the zone and like yeah. turned it on for a bit and was wondering kind of like what the significance of the tournament was. So like the zone definitely has like a reach. Yeah. And, yeah. and like the thing and is, it, is like, so I like, I'm, I'm psyched to see it on there. I'm, yeah. We've talked about this before, but like if you're a rugby fan in Canada, in order to watch as much rugby as you yeah. want, you have to have TSN for, um, for the yeah. the southern hemisphere and for for the arrows and for well it used to be for rugby Canada, you needed Sportsnet World to watch the Premier League or the Premiership. Premiership sometimes and, and, and any league if that if and uh, if you're a rugby league desire. fan yeah. yeah you needed that and then you needed to zone for the Pro 14 and for um or I guess the what is it the the United Rugby Championship. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, the URC, yeah. the URC, change. and then and then the Six Nations. The name next year again too. Yeah, so I'm not going to get too tied to it. So, yeah. so I'm just saying that this is another step towards a more unified viewing um, ability for for Canadian rugby fans. So yeah, I like it. Maybe have less. We might have less fans kind of stumbling into rugby because it's just on I TSN. I don't think you would though. But like I don't like I, like I I think a lot of people have the zone and like bars have the zone now too, right? For sure. Like but that, if I'm, oh, if I'm, yeah. if I'm, you know, disposable income, if I'm yeah, 40 year old Jim from Aurelia and I'm waking up and having my coffee and I flip on TSN and mm. oh, at eight o'clock, oh, Canada's playing England. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, let's put that on, you know, while I'm drinking my coffee, you yeah. know, like that's more likely to happen <laughs> than if it's the zone, I, I know there the zone is a very popular app and streaming service and that there are more, uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's growing as a product in, in the, in North America. And I love the product. I'm just saying that yep. one has a bigger impact than the other, but again, we're just happy. The Tam games are being, uh, yeah. we're able to watch them. Yeah, exactly. Me too. Um, um, also, Man, it's um, going to be a busy, 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 yeah. busy, busy next couple months also i'm just looking at our script guys um martin colin uh asked where is avery oideman um and brian i didn't ask brian because he kind of answered it already on twitter um and it he's still in wales yep still at you know? cardiff uni and start at he's injured. been at wales at cardiff met uni and injuries have procu- uh precluded him from playing over there um but that's all anyone really knows about, about Avery. Um, okay, guys. Um, that's going to be it for tonight. Um, once again, thank you to Brian Ray for joining the show. Uh, if you guys want to uh, listen to more of our podcast episodes or go or watch them on our YouTube channel, all of our episodes are available. Um, we've had some great interviews leading into the season and a couple during the season. We just had Curry Hitchborn of UBC on the show. Um, and if you just kind of wanted to kind of look back at some of the games that, that uh, the arrows have played this season, we've recapped them all. So feel free to go on to all the podcast platforms. Uh, if you have any questions for the show, go to the Gmail, the LaRouge rugby podcast at gmail.com email us, you know, send us your questions because we're always looking to answer our, our fan fan questions. So gentlemen, uh, 
it's all about this this is battle of nutrition take your time battle of nutrition <laughs> with the zone the great thing is you, you can replace battle of nutrition like nutrition it's like you got to take attrition. your time. no attrition. Attrition. of attrition. Not, attrition not nutrition <laughs> no i kind of mixed the words that's Dan's nutrition. on a new diet. Being a ex being a <laughs> new exactly. father, he has to have a certain food. If, if Canada eats better than whales, no, no. See what happened is I combined the two words. It's even worse. I said nutrition. <laughs> oh my goodness, dude! Which is that even is... worse than what wow, you guys yeah. thought I said. The oh, <laughs> you know what? That's the I, Brian Ray is not going to get it, so I might be confused when I tag it to him. But Battle of Nutrition is the episode title now. All right, that's fine with that. me. What I was trying to get at is yeah. there's a lot of rugby. Pace yourselves. Drink some water, which apparently I need to do, and uh, enjoy the copious amount of rugby. <laughs> I don't love you, Oh, man.